Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant. Van Brimmer. And joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. And also joined with us again live. Who's here? Who's, who is it that's here? <laughs> Sandra Rollette. Hello, in the house. And her husband, Scotty. Hello! If you would like to get to know more about Awakening Reformation podcast, please go to rebelalliancemedia.com. Check out our other two podcasts, the Rebel Podcast that comes out on Wednesdays and the Church History Podcast that we do with our kids called Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids that comes out on Mondays. We want to say if they put Erica on an abandoned island to win, it's going to get scary. (laughs) What's that show called? Survivor. 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 If they put Erica on Survivor, things are going to get real scary real fast. No one is safe. Really it was pretty entertaining to you read. You can go to Nate Wright's Facebook page and Nate and Colleen. Oh, good times. All right. So we got more Burkhoff to tackle. We are trucking our way through the Manual of Christian Doctrine, written by Louis Burkhoff. How long are we be doing this? Like, is it going to be like the entire year? No, I think this will probably take us up to, like, Easter. Yeah. So, like, probably the first quarter of 2019. Okay. So, kind of... Because uh, we're about a third of the way through now, and we've been doing it for two months. So, in celebration of uh, our risen Lord, uh, we yeah. will arise from the darkness <laughs> exactly. that we uh, previously have and come out in the light of knowledge uh, through Burkhoff. So poetic, Scotty. I'd rather come out through the light of Christ, but you can go with Burkhoff. So poetic. There are worse options. This is true. There are better ones, but there are worse ones. <laughs> All right, so we are working through. Grant's the, tired of our crap. <laughs> we're working through this section on the works of God. We've gone through his decrees, predestination, and tonight we come to creation. So, can someone give us a general? Definition of what we mean when we say God's work of creation. Well, he doesn't really give a general one. He kind of well, this yeah, this chapter goes deep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, the buckle dis- up, people. <laughs> the discussion of the decrees naturally leads on to the consideration of their execution, which begins with the work of creation. Creation is the beginning and the basis of all divine revelation and also the foundation of all ethical and religious life. The doctrine of creation can be learned from no other source than scripture and can be accepted only by faith. That probably is like the weightiest part of what he says in all of this chapter, I think. Uh huh. And as a Christian who holds scripture as authority must believe that God's account of creation is true and that scientists, authors, philosophers outside the Bible can only hypothesize and theorize. Guess. Yeah, they can't. Well, it makes sense that they wouldn't have the correct narrative of creation because the only way you could possibly get to the biblical narrative of creation is the one who did it. Yeah, like it has to be 
given to us by God in his right. word for us to come up with the idea or understand the idea of creation. Right. You can't just observe nature and be like... Oh, God did it, God did it this way. In, yeah, in six literal days. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, Scotty, how can the act of creation be best defined according to Burkhoff here? So, that act of God by which he produces the world and all that is in it, partly without the use of pre-existent materials and partly out of material that is, by its very nature, inadequate for the manifestation of his glory. I think it's helpful from the get-go to to get that definition out because I know for a lot of Christians, we we hear ex nihilo all the time, out of nothing, out of nothing, out of nothing, God created everything, which is good. We need to harp on that because we do fight against the theory of evolution Mm -hmm. in our world and in our churches. And that's a good thing. But we got to remember too, which Burkhoff points out, Eve was created out of a rib. So God does use... Well, Adam out of dust. Right. So God does use existing materials Mm -hmm. to create in some circumstances. Now, it didn't exist apart from him. Everything exists. Like he says, it was Mm -hmm. produced without pre-existent materials. Right. And for the manifestation of his glory, which is the chief end of man is to glorify God. Exactly. So the fact that he created anything was not because he was unfulfilled in his triune self and he needed some rad new friends. So he just created (laughs) the world. Right. Well, I think, again, that's we need to clearly define that that this this work was done by a triune God Mm -hmm. and that it was a free act of God and not a necessary act. He is the self-sufficient one and therefore did not need the world. Yeah. His production of the universe was not dependent on an inherent necessity in the divine being, but only on a perfectly voluntary decision of his sovereign will. Yeah, basically God wasn't lonely. Mm-hmm. He wasn't lacking anything. He didn't need us. No, he didn't. That was a summation of a large chunk in that chapter. Like we said, Burkhoff gets pretty deep in this chapter, so mm-hmm. we're, we want to point out things that we think are very important to Christians today. And there are a lot of substitutes for the doctrine of creation that Burkhoff points out, and these we battle all the time in our culture, in conversations with people. So, in reform circles, in Presbyterianism. Yep. I mean, it's it hits really close to home. Yeah. And probably the majority in other Christian circles yeah, that don't just believe in the biblical view of creation. Well, Tim Keller being one of the most prominent. prominent. As much as I love Tim Keller, it kills me every time. I know. This and a few other things, but. Yeah, it's a big one. This is kind of a big one, yeah. Yeah. One view that Burkhoff points out is the dualistic theory. And this theory is to the effect that both God and matter are eternal. Original matter is frequently represented as the rude material out of which God formed the world. On this view, God is not the creator, but merely the but merely the framer of the universe. Obviously, this is right away in opposition to the biblical account of creation where God was already existing and then he created all matter mm-hmm. that we see the heavens and earth. Moreover, matter shows clear traces of composition arrangement and therefore cannot be regarded as 
self-existent. So that teleological argument, God creating the world with some sort of purpose, we see that there's been a designer, that that doesn't happen by itself. Mm -hmm. Okay, it goes on into the emanation theory. God and the world are essentially one, and the world is a necessary emanation or flowing out of the divine being. This idea is characterized in all pantheistic theories. Right. There's no distinction between creator and creation. Exactly. It applies to God a principle of change or growth and of progress, which characterizes only the infinite and imperfect. No, the finite and imperfect. <laughs> no, that's important, though. No, I know, but okay. I totally messed okay. up. <laughs> I wasn't even listening to what you said, I'm not going to lie. It applies to God a principle of change, of growth, and of progress, which characterizes only the finite and imperfect. This it robs God of power and of self-determination and men of their freedom and of their moral and responsible character. And in addition to that, it makes God responsible for all that transpires in the world, the evil as well as the good. So it's pretty messed Which up. makes God evil. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can go real deep with this one. This is a lot of Buddhism, Hinduism, New Age, uh, New Age <laughs> paganism, even yeah, where New Age tree huggers. Yeah. We're all part of creation. We're all one. We're all connected in some way. And there are some Christians that seep into this too. Next one, uh, the theory of evolution. Schools throughout the world, theory of evolution is sometimes spoken as if it could be a substitute for the doctrine of creation. But this is clearly a mistake. Evolution presupposes something that evolves, and this must be in the last resort, either eternal or created, so that the evolutionist must choose between the theory that matter in is eternal and the doctrine of creation. Some seek to escape the difficulty by adopting what they call theistic or creative evolution, trying to ride the fence, so yeah, to say. Yeah, try and mix the two. Yeah, but this is a, really a contradiction in terms as well. Not biblical doctrine of creation, nor a consistent theory of evolution. That was something I thought was funny that Burkhoff said at the end here, was that it's not even a consistent theory of evolution to to hold to theistic evolution. So a hardline evolutionist is, is going to hate that position too. It's not even consistent in their worldview. Burkhoff then says part of what God created is the spiritual world. And he talks about the angels. He talks about their existence in nature, how they are intelligent, they are moral. We know that there are good angels. You and like angels. Yep, elect angels, and that there are fallen angels who have left their previous state, as the Bible talks about. Just keeping in line with the previous podcast. Right. As far as angelic orders, we have the cherubim and the seraphim who... Each have distinct roles. In the throne room of God. Which is interesting for a complementarian to see that even ethereal beings have specific roles. Yeah, I thought that was kind of crazy because... Like growing up in the background, I did like had no idea. It was like, yeah, there's angels, but you don't yeah, need to worry about that. There's a hierarchy. That. You don't need to worry about the is... angels. They were there. Just rem- just know that they talked to Mary and stuff. Worry, worry about the life that you're living right now. That's... Yes, the compound that Sandra grew up on didn't really focus on angelology. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so this is why Paul brings up angels in First Corinthians 11 when talking about 
gender roles and head coverings and yeah. the like. So if you think about that, we did a podcast on this. I don't think it's available anymore when we yeah. join the rebels, but because it's it's rooted that the passage in First uh, Corinthians is rooted in creation. Mm-hmm. It would make sense that we're talking about creation and there being a hierarchy even in angels. Yep. It would come into play when, when we're talking about whether people should have had coins. Once again, not the time or the topic. But we should right. revisit that or like re... Yeah, that'd be fun. Re-release uh, that podcast. It was definitely really interesting. Two very popular angels, Gabriel and Michael. Gabriel we see as... Which are kids nailed in church. That's right. The, they didn't nail the angels. They nailed the answer to the question. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to nail angels. We'll take that out. <laughs> they tried to do that in Sodom. Ooh. Good thing you specified. Didn't end well. <laughs> Didn't end well in Sodom. Didn't end well for them either. Um... But so Gabriel, we often see being a messenger angel, bringing messages to Daniel and to Joseph and Mary. And we see Michael as kind of a commander of angels, being a warrior angel who defeats Satan in the book of Revelation. There are people who try and tag a person of the Trinity to one of the angels. So evil angels. Do you want to talk about evil angels real quick, Scotty? Yeah, you would know all of them. All of them. Since they're your friends, <laughs> would you like to speak on? Since I speak to them on the daily. Stop. I think I'm going to have to move out. That's so, your only issue? <laughs> and come to New York. <laughs> we also have evil angels. Evil angels delight in opposing God and destroying his work. They were created good, but did not retain their original position. Uh, it speaks of them in Second Peter and in Jude. The special sin of these angels is not revealed, but probably consisted in this, that they exalted themselves over against God and aspired to supreme authority. Satan, who was evidently one of the princes among the angels, became and recognized head of those that fell away. It didn't end well for him. And it doesn't end well for him. No. Not so much. Very hot lake. Yep. And uh, he's represented as uh, the originator of sin as well in Genesis 3.1. Yeah. Besides the spiritual, there is also a material world. Which is a whole lot more obvious to all of us. Which, once again, in a lot of different religions, this is pretty controversial. And this is contemplated here in relation to God. That is as a work of God, and as a revelation of his divine perfections. So we're talking about God creating the physical world that we see, the earth, stars, animals, humans. So we believe God created all things in six literal 24-hour days. Genesis 1. Just Genesis 1. There is nothing in the Bible that would suggest we should believe otherwise. The word yom is used for day. Morning and evening are used as markers in the narrative for each day. Even though the sun wasn't created until day four, we still see the same markers of there was morning and there was evening and this was the first day. Naturally, the most natural reading Mm -hmm. is going to be that it's a 24-hour time period. Pretty much everyone else trying to make these days really long periods of time or the gap theory people who Mm -hmm. say that God created the raw matter and then a whole long period of time passed, and then he took six days, are all trying to accommodate 
evolution, basically. Mm-hmm. Read it. That's what happened. And this is this is debated all over the place in every camp. There are six day literal creationists and and then those that are either theistic evolutionists or gap theory or day age. There's another mm-hmm. view called the analogical day view. Mm-hmm. Burkhoff is very clear that six literal days does make the most sense and is a more consistent hermeneutic. Yeah. Sidebar here, this morning the kids were watching a show. The kids yeah. meaning all of our kids watching a show. And it's a really cool show. I won't mention the name of it. But it isn't from like a Christian worldview perspective. And they were talking about evolution. So I had thought about, well, I should find something for the kids to watch. So Answers in Genesis popped in my brain. And there are so many resources, not only for kids, at Answers in Genesis on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, in their bookstore and all kinds of stuff. But if you're really wanting to understand and explain it to whether it be your children or just understand it better yourself, why creation does make the most biblical sense outside of Burkhoff's chapter here. You could get into way more detail and get into some evidences of it being a literal six days and Ken Ham has some videos. Mm-hmm. And even Buddy Davis had like some really neat videos for kids about paleontology and how paleontology actually does you know affirm what the Bible states about the narrative of the flood. I mean, you can just get into all those evidences that do affirm what scripture has just clearly laid out for us. Another thing I would suggest is a new documentary that just came out called Riot and the Dance. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a nature documentary made by Doug Wilson's son and Doug Wilson's brother. Uh, His brother is a biology teacher. They were fed up with nature documentaries that were evolutionary in in mindset. And so they wanted to make one that glorified God in his, in his creation. Mm-hmm. I highly suggest that to aid in, in this topic as well. Sometimes it can be really frustrating when it comes to creation because evolution is just assumed. Yeah, it really is. It the is. theory of evolution is assumed. It's right. what's taught in school and it's, you know, what you're taught growing up. I mean, it's just like... Generational, but we have children, I mean, from the ages of 2 to 13. So, I mean, they all watch it and are entertained by it. So, it's definitely beneficial. The other thought I would like to throw out there for all those listening that may still be struggling with believing in evolution or not, or theistic evolution or not, or some kind of mix of that, is that the scientific world says God didn't create it. They already say that, and they continually produce studies and theses and all these things that to them prove it but we believe scripture so what is it going to take how much more are Mm -hmm. they just going to continue to publish in their peer-reviewed journals that just continue to say the same thing and but we have the bible that just contradicts it now again science also says that uh people don't rise from the dead but we believe he did well this is where you can get into more of the presuppositional apologetics versus evidentiary apologetics. When it comes to creation, I think the two can be used hand in hand beautifully. Mm -hmm. I think you can use a presuppositionary apologetic and say, the Bible says that God's word is truth. Mm -hmm. So whatever God's word says is the truth. You can't add to it. Right. And what it says is just true. Where do you place your authority? Yeah. If you use evidentiary apologetics, you can go to like the answers in Genesis resources, and there are mm-hmm. plenty more, I know. 
but those types of resources and the science that they use backs what the Bible says. Right. Not that the Bible needs to have anyone in its corner, but it's just another layer of like, see, this is just true. Yeah. As a Christian, we need to look at the results of quote unquote scientific experiments or calculations. And if their results are coming closer and getting closer to the biblical narrative, then we can applaud it and say, that's good. You're getting closer to the truth. Yeah. But when they go farther and farther away, we have to say it's a lie. Mm -hmm. We have to say it's a lie. We have to say you're going farther and farther away from truth. I know we say this all the time, too, when the rebels always talk about the cultural news and things that are going on in society today. Mm -hmm. Sometimes some of the stories they talk through and stuff are just insane. And it's mostly because people who would hold to an evolutionary worldview aren't being consistent. Yeah, exactly. Someone who's be, who hold, would hold to like an evolutionary worldview would say that survival of their species is the most important thing. And either we're evolving and getting better or we're going to die off and our species will die off, which is a bad thing. But we can see that the same people who would hold to that would also want to conserve species yeah, that are going species. extinct. Yeah. And they're also supporting of LGBTQ rights which we know that a gay couple cannot reproduce more of their kind. Right. Which would go, I mean, all none of it makes any yeah. sense. All of it is just yeah. absurd. And so even though this is the most widely held theory amongst people today, evolution, right. it isn't even, we don't even hold to it consistently. And that's part of the inescapable reality of being made in the image of yeah. God and that we do know God. And there is just a design to it. You can't, whether you call yourself LGBTQ or whatever, like you still can't reproduce more of your kind. Yeah. You can be as gay as you want and as proud as you want, but you still can't produce more of your kind. Yeah. In some way, you're going to have to still resort to the way God designed. You have to still submit to God's design. Yeah. (laughs) There's no thwarting God's design. Yeah. He's still Lord over his design. Yeah. That's true. That's really good, babe. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us talk about God and his creation. Tune in next week for another bit of Bite Size Burkoff. And we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check, one, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search, they say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gain, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart. From original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark. State, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3.